Ever feel unable to focus, tired, and just low on energy? We understand that feeling. We understand it so well that the Sports and the World Podcast is brought to you by the Couch Guys Sports Network and sponsored by our friends over at Shocked Energy. Shocked Energy is a drink made by gamers for gamers. All their flavors come packed with 180 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing, your focus will always be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game. Their formulas are designed to specifically give you high energy boost when you need it most while ensuring to avoid the jitters after too much caffeine consumption. Head over to www.shockenergy.com and use the promo code CGSN today for 10% off your order. Check out their green apple flavor box or even their watermelon flavor box. Oh, and don't worry, they ship worldwide. That's right, worldwide. Get your shocked energy today and let us help you gain your focus and energy back. The Sports and the World Podcast is brought to you by Exogun. Ever do a workout and feel like you need a massage after? Well, get your massage without leaving the house. Don't let pain and soreness slow you down. Exogun revives muscle, boosts circulation, and releases energy so you can recover faster and live better. Take it wherever you need it. Work, the gym, the trail, and put the power of percussion massage treatment in your hands. It's portable, adjustable, and powerful. Exogun is trusted by the pros to deliver the ultimate in recovery. Like we said before, you can even use it for percussion therapy. What is percussion therapy? Percussion therapy boosts muscle function and recovery by penetrating deep into the muscle tissue with a series of rapid, concentrated, pulsating strokes. Gain back control of your body and achieve long-term pain relief with Exogun. Get 10% off with code CGS10 at checkout. Comes with a charger and carrying case. Go get your Exogun today and treat yourself to a massage at a moment's notice. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the Sports and the World Podcast a part of your day. Now, for the first time in a very long time, you get to hear somebody else's voice besides mine, which... I'm back! Yeah, so you can guess who that is. If, if not, it's it's my buddy, you, probably your buddy too, my buddy Chris. How are you been, my friend? Long What's going time. on, man? Long time, no podcast i guess would be right now yeah you know it's been rolling and it's like it's like well it it feels right like i say you know goose and maverick and you know you know you're goose for obvious reasons and and i'm maverick you know whatever you know i'm goose and you're maverick i was gonna say you're taller i just don't want you dying yeah yeah i i don't want the i don't want if if they see us in public and be like well why does that guy Yeah, yeah so the world, the world has enough problems to deal with instead of that. Oh, so, so, you know, all of that being said, let's just jump right on in. Busy show. Talk a little football, baseball, wrap it up with uh, Chris's corner. So let's just jump in with the, the NFL. I I started the preview of the AFC and NFC uh, West uh, the last uh, last episode. And this week we'll just cover going uh, around the compass there. We're going to talk about the AFC and NFC South. Very interesting divisions for two very different reasons. A lot of change amongst both, especially when you talk about the quarterback position. So with that being said, Chris, give me your thoughts and your assessment of whatever division wants to AFC or NFC South. Man, we'll start with the NFC South. You know, this is is a division that I think (laughs) – if you took Tampa Bay out of it, could go on par as the worst division besides the NFC East with Dallas and Philly and all those dumpster fires. You know, so so looking at your four teams, you know, you got uh, the Saints, the Panthers, the Bucks, and the Falcons. And I know your dirty birds are are out there trying. Um, so yeah, I, 
let's let's see what they can do. You know, honestly, I, I I'm gonna be upfront and 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 just blunt about it. Tampa Bay is gonna walk this division. They're they have already been handed the keys to the kingdom to go to the playoffs. Unless if Tom Brady and and all of the key players die in like a we are Marshall type plane crash, which I hope they don't. That's about the only way that Tampa Bay cannot win this division. Um, so I'm going to start off, uh, you know, the furthest west, which would be New Orleans, and kind of work my way through. So on the New Orleans side, um, I'm thinking. So first and foremost, so I, I also did records just to you know figure out. So I figured uh, New Orleans is going to be eight and nine this season. I don't see them going plus five hundred. Um, you know, they've got. Uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of stuff that they've got to work out. Um, I think last year we got to see what Jameis Winston can do with a pair of working eyes. Um, you know, he won five out of the seven starts. He threw 14 touchdowns to just three interceptions. Now, you take those numbers and compare them back to Tampa Bay, those are some damn good numbers. You take that 14 and three, that looks like Jameis Winston in the Florida State time where he's able to really perform. Um, so, I mean, you know, I think he's going to get the signal caller. Uh, and then you look at um, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, and the return of Michael Thomas. I don't know how Michael Thomas is going to fit in in that situation, um, coming back out of injury. And then, well, it it's Michael Thomas. Uh, they did make some pretty solid moves uh, to get that offensive line back to where it's going to protect the quarterback and not just allow it to be a, a complete smorgasbord of, of sacks. But I think overall, uh, New Orleans goes eight and nine. I don't see them making playoff hopes. I think that they need more out of their team to get to that next level. So maybe in another season or two, we could see that New Orleans team that'll, that'll you know, come forward. Um, I guess if we're going in, in geographic position, I guess we'll move on to Tampa Bay. So I've got Tampa Bay going 13 and four this season. Um, you know, A, I think Tom Brady could, uh, you know, leave, you know, or not leave. I'm sorry. He's coming back off the retirement. I think he wants to leave on that high note. He wants to get that, re that retirement Super Bowl right off into the sunset victory. And I honestly think he can do it. If you look at the additions they made in the offseason, if you look at the players that they kept – once again, Tom Brady takes the small contract to allow money to go to everyone else. But then again, when you're married to one of the richest, hottest supermodels and you've been playing in the NFL for like 10,000 years, I guess money isn't an option at this point. You're just saying whatever, man. You know, God bless Tom Brady on that one, man. Um, but I think that uh, he is going to want to ride off into the sunset. He's going to play his heart out. And then you look at the returns. I think also, too, I don't think we're going to see Chris Godwin come back until probably like a, like a late October. You know, they're saying with that, that knee issue. I, I think that, you know, they're saying that there's a potentiality, but we've all heard that, you know, rumor mill before. I think they bench him until that late September, mid-October, more probably towards mid-October, because then that's a fresh set of feet that's going to be on the field that Brady's going to be able to throw to, that he has that relationship with. I think without him having Gronkowski, that does leave a little bit of, of eh in the air. But he's got that big body receiver and, and Mike Evans to replace Gronkowski. He's just ungodly size. So I think that, again, like I said, I got my money is Tampa Bay winning this, this division and moving forward. Um, so, I, I mean, there's really not much to talk about on them. Continuing to move in an easterly fashion, uh, onto your Dirty Birds. And, again, man, I feel like I'm picking on these guys every time I talk to them. I mean, we we can just skip this whole thing. If you want. <laughs> That's totally fine by me. I mean. So, so, I got them. This is a hard decision between Atlanta and Carolina with the last two teams. I got Atlanta riding the bottom of the division this year. I got them going 5-12. and 12. Um the Falcons are in absolutely no question that they are in a complete rebuild mode. Uh, having Marcus Mariota officially back at the helm of his own little ship in, in the city of Atlanta. I think this is going to be your make or break season for Mariota. He does have some 
you know, targets to throw. I mean, he, he has Kyle Pitts, for Christ's sakes. I mean, all you got to do is throw it in his general direction, and he's going to do wonders with the ball. Yeah. Um, but I think that with Marcus Mariota maturing, and, you know, maybe being a backup to Tannehill for a little bit and maybe just getting more experience in the league, uh, I think he's going to be more of a legitimate signal caller than, than most are led to believe. Now, also, too, I was flipping through channels the other day, and I was on NFL Live, and they were talking about uh, the Falcons practice camp. Did you see who they had lined up at a tight end slot? I I watched it. I can't remember who it was. Felipe Franks, the That's Florida it. gone to Arkansas ass-kicking quarterback, is now lining up in that tight end position. He's big. He's fast. He's got an arm on him, but – the boy can throw a hit down too. I've seen him push quite a few linebackers yeah, off in his day in college. So, so I think that with uh, with him possibly maybe getting reassigned as a tight end or maybe some type of gadget player, maybe that can give some type of of oomph that that Atlanta really needs. I still think Atlanta needs defense. I still think they're going to need an offensive line. If you watch any game last season, the offensive line cost them every single game. Matt Ryan went out there, still had a top five position in, in uh, QBR, passing yards, touchdowns, but still couldn't close the game because he couldn't put enough points on the board because he spent about as much time standing in the pocket as he did on his ass because of a lack of blocking. So Atlanta, it, Coach Smith, if you're listening, uh, work on that offensive line and get a defense that can actually stop a third down and make it to a fourth. Uh, you know, last but not least is the Carolina Panthers. So this is one of the most intriguing teams, I think, in all of the NFL besides the situation in Cleveland and then just the outright disaster that the city of Houston is still paying for with the Texans. But I think the Carolina Panthers have the most to win or most to lose at this point, theoretically. You look at Carolina as an organization uh, – they brought in Cam Newton. He he was a hell of a quarterback his first couple years in. Just like always, he became his own worst enemy. He lost a starting position. They brought him back, and he still underperformed at the end of the day. Uh, so I think that uh, that left the black eye. Riverboat Ron got out of there, went to Washington. So here comes Matt Rule. Matt Rule starts trying to rebuild his team. So he brings Sam Darnold down from the New York Jets, and – at the time, I honestly thought it was a good move, not just because I'm a Jets fan, but if you look at the team that Carolina had versus what the Jets had, A, Carolina had uh, at the time an offensive line that was capable of blocking for a quarterback, and B, he had multiple targets to pass to and then arguably had the best running back in the league with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, unfortunately, tragedy or uh, luck or whatever Sam Darnold, you know, and one of the other things, I think the biggest thing, I think we talked about this on, on last year on his entrance in there was Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold had an amazing connection mm -hmm. at New York. That was his bailout. And no matter what, he got the ball in Robbie Anderson's hand and they made stuff happen. That did not happen in Carolina. I don't know if going from gang green to Carolina blue messed it up for him. <laughs> I just I don't I don't know what happened and uh, and then on top of that Sam Darnold trying to play through an injury all season I think they hung him out to dry that other coaches have hung other quarterbacks out in situations where they knew they were injured and they just kept playing them and just they just got the shit kicked out of them to the yeah. point of no return now here comes Baker Mayfield here comes like the the unwanted stepchild of Cleveland. Cleveland goes out and invests all this money into him. He gets these these honestly funny commercials. I think it was with State Farm. He was when he was living in the stadium um, with the, you know, the whole insurance and all that. So he he was doing his best in Cleveland. I I really think he was. He was doing the best with what he had. The problem is is that Baker Mayfield has an attitude, and Kareem Hunt has an attitude, and OBJ definitely had an attitude. And Jarvis Landry is on his own world. And the coach for the Browns couldn't piece everyone together. And I think that's why the Browns ultimately failed at the end. So they essentially said, Baker, you're our franchise guy. You're going to do it. On comes this guy. I don't know if you've heard of him, maybe in a local massage parlor, uh, Deshaun Watson. 
So Deshaun Watson comes in and gets just god-awful, and correct me if I'm wrong, like $200 million-plus contract. Yeah, $230 million. Now, at this point, he's not even going to play the first season. He's He started at a six-game and then appealing it, and it's almost like he shot himself in the foot to get, uh, you know, to get that. So Cleveland screwed themselves. Baker Mayfield gets the hell out of there. He comes to Carolina. Here's my thing. So I've got them, and I don't know if I said it, but I'll reiterate it if I did. So I got them at 7-10 and 10 this season. Carolina still has a lot of work to do. You have a new quarterback and a new system. And essentially, Matt Rule, he is a dead man walking at this point. He is on the green mile. And, and if they don't do something, I think that it's done. And I think other people are going to be done. I think most importantly, Christian McCaffrey as the, the the star of that organization, I think he'll be done. He's going to get a trade, and he's going to want to get out of there as fast as humanly possible because he knows that his days are numbered there. He's not going to win a title there, and he's essentially wasting his talent when he could go to some other team that can afford him and get him. Now, also on the other side of that coin is Christian McCaffrey has to stay healthy this season. If he cannot stay healthy, this is going to be the third season in a row that he's not going to be playing a lot. If he does that, I think his NFL career is going to be all but over because no team's going to want to take a gamble on him. Or if they do, they're going to give him that minimum, you know, two or three million dollar contract. So I think with the combination of all of those pieces of, of Baker Mayfield coming in on a revenge tour with uh, uh, Matt Rule just kind of not knowing his ass from a hole in the ground, and then with Christian McCaffrey with a giant question mark about his health. I think that's where they're going to stay, but I think that's still enough talent, unfortunately, to be above Atlanta with that, that two-plus game. Also, if you look at the beginning of their schedule, or, um, uh, Carolina has probably the biggest advantage is they play week one, they play the Cleveland Browns. So that's that's Baker Mayfield's opportunity to go there and just absolutely you know piss all over them. And then week two, let's face it, they're going and playing the New York Giants. So... Eh. But you also look at their next three games following that. It's Arizona, San Francisco, and L.A. So essentially they're going to start off at a two-and-five start. But those two wins, that's that's two and seven, so all they need to do is muster up five more. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm sitting at in uh, in the NFC South. Yeah. It, it's very interesting you brought that. Because to, to me, and before we transition to the, to the AFC side of things, to me, I look at this division, and it boils down to two factors for me. The quarterback position and the head coaching position. Because to your point about Matt Rule, Matt Rule was given a lot of money. Some might argue slightly overpay. I, I have – I don't say I have an issue with college coaches, but it's a rarity to, have to take a coach from college and go to the NFL. It's very rare because of the fact that it's a whole different ball game, obviously, but not only that, it's about structure and leadership. And, and I look at Matt Rule. Matt Rule was, came in to essentially get a quarterback to make this thing work. And, and think about this, and you alluded to it. Got they traded for Sam Darnold because the whole Cam Newton thing didn't work uh, the second time. So this time they trade for Baker Mayfield. To me, there's no competition in the camp. It's Baker Mayfield's job to lose. You don't trade for a guy for him not to to back up the guy who you're trying to feel, you don't feel like the guy in Sam Darnold. Now, when I look at, I'll talk about Atlanta last, but when I look at Tampa, easiest quarter situation in the league, we all know who's going to be there. To me, it's a question of after, but but it's as far as number 12 being there, no doubt about it. You go to New Orleans, Jameis Winston to me does not get enough credit because here's the thing. Jameis Winston's problem was never the yards thrown it was that he kind of had a Brett Favre tendency to kind of force the ball, which in some cases you have to. It's some of those interceptions where he led the league in interceptions. There's a, there's a difference between good and bad interceptions. A lot of the interceptions weren't terrible. Some were, like let's be clear, some of them were. But they weren't terrible to the point where like he was just trying to get his team to win games, especially an offense that didn't have a running game. And Tampa Bay, in a way, still doesn't have run the ball. They were bottom five of the league in rushing. When you have so, what, when you, so if I can interject, so what do you think the situation right now? So to circle back to, to the running back situation. Sure. So I believe Alvin Kamara is facing some real serious criminal charges. Correct. 
where yeah. he's going to be out for what, at least the first six to seven games, if not the entire season. Yeah, it's interesting with that situation. I personally believe, so, you know, study looked at it. I do believe he's going to get some kind of suspension. Now, in terms of the length, I do believe you could hedge your best that if, if how can I phrase, I hate to use Deshaun and watch that as a comparison, but I have to. If Deshaun initially got six games, Alvin, the situation Alvin Kamara got in was during Pro Bowl weekend, was during the Pro Bowl. In fact, he played in the Pro Bowl. But, you know. Yeah, because he got charged with aggravated battery, it looks like. Correct. Yeah. Um, but the case is still being delayed, which is going to, which is put in the Players Association. Yeah, it's been the- because he hasn't been charged and he hasn't Correct. been convicted. So how can you suspend? And again, this is our U.S. justice system: is that you're innocent until you're proven guilty. So Correct. how, how, and what can you do about this? So it's it, it's an interesting situation because there's something that the league could do. The league could put Kamar on the commissioner's exempt list which essentially means that he would still get paid, but he just wouldn't play. Now, doing that means that you're not saying he's innocent, nor you're saying he's guilty. You're just saying that we're all aware of the situation, and it's just not a good look for having to have him out there playing based on the evidence that we do have. Yeah. So, so in terms of that situation with New Orleans, that to me becomes the X factor. Um, and, and, and we'll talk about, I guess we'll talk about my Falcons before we transition. The biggest thing is this. I think what the Falcons did this offseason was very clear. They went out and got a bunch of tall wide receivers, a, a, a couple of guys over 6'4", a couple 6'4", 6'5", guys. They got Brian Edwards, for who, played, who played with Las Vegas last season, Auden Tate, who played with the Bengals last season, who was the third guy behind T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. So there's a, I guess there's a plan of action there. But to me, if, if you're Arthur Smith, go ahead. No, so here's my question. So sure. going back to New Orleans, since uh-huh. they, they potentially don't have a running back right now. Correct. So I, I was reading an article earlier today um, when I was prepping for the show that Kareem Hunt is demanding a trade out of Cleveland. Uh, did you see that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so. Mm-hmm. And I guess let's put our tinfoil hats on, or or however we wanna we wanna call it. Do you think that maybe the Saints might pay for Kareem Hunt to go down? Kareem Hunt doesn't like splitting with Nick Chubb in 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 Cleveland. I think he's made that point perfectly clear. Yeah, he goes down to potentially uh, New Orleans that had a run built offense because Alvin Kamara definitely has played incredibly well down there. Mm-hmm. Um, is his style different than Kareem Hunt's? Yes. But do we think that something can be done about it, I guess, would, would be the main question. Now, do you think that, that New Orleans maybe entertains this or maybe might go after him? Or do you think that they stay and wait and possibly lose out on that option to see what happens to, uh, to Kamara? I think I look at the situation two ways. I look at him the first way from the Cleveland Browns perspective. Well, first and foremost, Cleveland kind of holds all the cards when it comes to Kareem Hunt. Because here's – he can demand a trade. Yeah, he de- can. demanding and getting are two vastly different things in life. Exactly. It's, it's applicable in football. It's applicable in life. Demanding and getting are two separate things. Because – and then secondly, if you're in New Orleans, you're in a situation where if you kind of think about it, and I don't know if they'd be willing to do this, but in a way they kind of – they didn't have a somewhat of a you know running you know behind Alvin Kamara as is. I could argue and make the point that quite possibly they could utilize someone like a Taysom Hill to kind of be the running game. Now, do you yeah. think his ego gets in the way because he wants to play quarterback and sucks at it? Well, well, here's the thing: you can have an ego, but he he he's getting paid because essentially you can't complain about money. Because if you want to be a quarterback, fine. But understand that, hey, I'll, I'll give you an example. Debo Samuel, there was always rumors, and, and I've read it and written about it, about him complaining about him being a running back in Kyle Shanahan's offense. But those reports, you know, you ask Debo aren't true. But he got his extension, so we don't know 
whether the statement is true. My, yeah. my, my point is, is that if you're Taysom Hill and you want to play football, your best shot could be somewhat being involved in some wild running. So, I, so if, if you're the if you're Mickey Loomis, the GM of the Saints, you would entertain the idea of Kareem Hunt only if the Browns say, you know what, we'll move because this is all on the Browns. Yeah, if 100%. the Browns say, because here's the thing, I understand. You know, listen, Nick Chubb. Listen, injuries happen, and I'm not wishing any injury on Nick Chubb at all. But it's always good to – I call it the Noah's Ark theory to have two of everything. Two good running like backs. Two, two wives, two girlfriends. Well, that's for yeah. another episode of the Sports yeah. in the World podcast. <laughs> and we'll, that's and where we'll, the world part comes in. Yeah, that's where the world <laughs> – and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think to overall, to go into the AFC South, I, just, I I I look at this NFC South. I look at Tampa Bay's division. You know, I think they're going to easily run away this division. They can win this division easily, probably a month before the season ends. I think I think the division is 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 that bad in the context of there's no one that can touch them. This, we we got we got to remember these they were the Super Bowl champions back in 2020. We got to remember that. And then they go out and then they add Julio Jones and then they add Russell Gage, who I know very well. And I know they're very good to a receiving room that has Mike Evans. And whenever Chris Godwin comes out, Brady for the Brady has had had has never had this much talent a wide receiver in his 23 seasons in the league. Yeah. And that's saying a lot. And, and it's not knocking, you know, he had Randy Moss, but we're talking in terms of just investing yeah. in, in, in an offense around Tom Brady. Yeah, he's got five Randy Mosses, not one Randy Moss. Exactly. <laughs> and and even with the absence of, of Gronk, you know, they got Kyle Rudolph, and they still have Cameron. So all is not lost there, but you still have great talent on the outside oh, in, that, in that regard. So, you know, shifting from the NFC side of things, let's go to the AFC side of things. Let's look at the AFC South. In a division where, needless to say, big moves at the, once again, quarterback-wise, but also, you know, a couple of these teams had, you know, they had a couple of good drafts as well. So, uh, Chris, give me your thoughts on the AFC side in the South. So this one, I'm going to start at the worst and and work our way to the top, just because I really don't feel like trying to look at a map and figure out. <laughs> you're such a geography guy. I, I'm surprised you want to go. I know, you, man, you, I know. You're doing great, man. You're doing I'm great. All, I'm all, yeah, I know. I'm typically all about the facts, but yeah, not, not, not this <laughs> go around, man. Not this go around. Um, so I'm going to start at the bottom of the list. Bottom, of course, is going to be Houston. Um, so I've got Houston uh, essentially kind of getting that first-round draft pick uh, this this go-around. So I got them clocking in at 3-14 and 14 this season. Um, I mean, they have the lowest win total proposition throughout the NFL on Las Vegas odds. Um, you know, Davis Mills is going to be entering year two as a quarterback with – Really no one to throw at. I mean, I, I honestly, without looking at my computer screen, I can't tell you a single receiver on Houston. That's not good. That's If they don't have a household name or a sports fanatics name that's easily recognizable, uh, I think that they're just they're, – they're, they're not going to do well. They've got a little bit of a rough schedule. Um I don't see them doing a lot. Um, I think they're two out of their three notable wins. One's going to be against the Giants, if you see them really picking on them this this week. Uh, the other one being Chicago. And I honestly, looking at their schedule, I think the only one is going to be the Commanders or Washington football team or whatever they're going to be called this go-around. Um, those are the only three games I can look at and be like, yeah, they can win those. Other than that, even against Jacksonville, I don't even have them winning against Jacksonville this season. Um, I think Houston, in the words of Easy E, they need to throw it in the gutter and go buy another. Just the whole team, just crumple them up, scream Kobe, aim for the trash can, and don't crash into the side of a mountain with a helicopter. Too soon? Oof. Oh, yeah, that's a little soon. Wah! Um, all right, moving on. So climbing up out of the, the bottom of the cesspool into the first layer of algae, 
uh, is is uh, the local Jacksonville Jaguars, old Duval. So I've got these guys going six and eleven, which pretty decent for Jacksonville can, as of late. So I think with Trevor Lawrence going into year two, uh, I think the kid has potential. He showed a lot of guts and a lot of good decision-making his first year in. And that's something that a lot of players don't do well going into the NFL. That transition to college, unless if you're just some freak of an athlete or just some ungodly just football genius, that transition from, from Division One college to NFL is hard. That transition is even harder when you get drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, you have a, a Super Bowl winning coach at the helm. I think that you have uh, uh, with, with Trayvon Walker along with linebacker Devin Lloyd. Uh, I, I think that they've made some massive improvements on defense, which, well, let's face it, they, 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 they needed it. Um, they own the 12th easiest schedule coming in to the 2022 season. So they're on the back half. So they've actually got a schedule. And that's why I've got them winning six games. They actually have some very reasonable games that I think they can win. I think that with, uh, with, with Trevor Lawrence and then, uh, NTN being able to get him out there. And I think honestly, at the end of the day, just, and, and I talked about this last season about having Marvin Jones Jr. out there as that solid, like, Hey, you, uh, throw it to me wide receiver. That's like, that. that's a safety blanket. It's, it's like the little kid with his binky and blanket. Marvin Jones Jr. Fits that blanket role. That is someone that, that Trevor Lawrence can depend on for experience, for advice, and just a big ass person to throw the ball at. So I think that's where they're going to make their improvements. Um, I mean, realistically, I mean, do we see them, you know, winning a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. But I think a year two Trevor Lawrence is going to be something that a lot of people are going to pay attention to, whether it's teams maybe to look to trade for him or maybe Jacksonville doing the smart thing for once in their life and investing in him instead of just pissing their money away on stupid things and getting rid of everybody because that's just the Jacksonville Jaguar way. Because if we remember, they went to an AFC championship game a, a few years ago and almost walked away with it. And then the year after, they are just like, oh, let's trade everyone for like a – a hot dog cart in a, in a pool in our stadium. <laughs> yeah. um, but so moving on. So up next, I've got the Tennessee Titans. So the I've got the Tennessee Titans going in at a 10 and seven record. Um, I think that uh, one of the problems after this season, or if anything, I think that, as, as great as a quarterback as Tannehill was the past couple of years since getting out of that Adam Gase curse system and, and into Tennessee, I think he's kind of worn out his welcome. I think that what's kept Tennessee involved in playoff talks or just as a team of relevance with a 500 record is this guy. I don't know if you know him. His name's Derrick Henry. Ah, yes. Very familiar. Yeah, giant, like, cyborg man. <laughs> <laughs> just I don't even know what he is. He's just a large, fast human being. He's like he's like a goddamn predator, but like human. Um, that honestly, at the end of the day, that's what keeps Tennessee relevant. When you've got someone consistently rushing 150, 180, 200 yards, I don't think that like he can do that forever. And especially when you have a quarterback that's continuously downgrading, you can't just hand a rock off. You know. 89 snaps out of 100. You're going to run the doors off your running back. He's going to break. And then, again, easy E, we're going to have to throw him in the gutter and go buy another. Um, so I, I still think they go positive. They go 10-7. and seven. I think Tannehill, he's still the major question. I think that he needs to just really come up and, and do these things. Luckily, they've got four divisional games like right out of the gate, you know, two with Texas, uh, with excuse me, with Houston, uh, Jaguars, and then I mean the best part about it is they get the Giants on Week One, and then the Washington Commanders win five. You're at six wins right out of the gate, right there. You're at six wins. So 
that's a lot to build off of. But also, if you look at their middle part of their schedule, you've got uh, the Chiefs in Kansas City, the Broncos, the Packers at Green Bay, the Bengals, and then the Eagles in Philly. You know, a lot of people shit on the Eagles. That's a hard stadium to play in. I can tell you from personal experience, from going to games there, not even as an Eagles fan, but just because I was living up there, that is a loud stadium. Those are some very prideful and angry fans up there for no fucking reason. Like, they're just angry people there, man. Um, so, I mean, like, but that that stadium noise does play a lot into it. But also, you've got an evolving Philadelphia team that, that can become something if if they if they play their cards right, but I think out of the gate, I think that you, we're going to see this 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 Tennessee offense. We're going to be like, oh wow, they could they very well could be six and zero by week seven, and then it's Kansas City, Green Bay, Cincinnati, and Philly, and so that could easily balance out to like a like a six and five right out of the gate, uh, and then especially. You know, you've got uh, Russell Wilson, you know, floating around with, in Denver now. He can really pick apart that defense, maybe cause some exposure for late season film. And then you've also just got the Bengals, who are just these freaks in nature that come out of nowhere and, and go to a Super Bowl for no reason. Um, so I, I think that they're going to have uh, a, a, a good season, but not a great season. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, at the top, I've got your boy Matty Ice, former Dirty Bird turned uh, turned Pony Boy, and uh, I think he's going to stay gold. And I, I think that he's going to go into a semi-competitive division and do something with it. So by far, out of all the quarterbacks in the the AFC South right now, Matty Ice comes in with the highest completion percentage the highest quarterback rating, the highest touchdowns, the fewest interceptions. And, I mean, definitely, like, Hall of Fame-level stats compared to the other, you know, people on the block. You couple that uh, with the improvements that the the Colts made at the running back – or, excuse me, the, the wideout position and all of those other things that, that kind of coupled and made – the, the objectives for the Colts to win, I think that they have potential. You know, the smartest thing that, that Indianapolis did is they got rid of Carson Wentz. At the end of the day, they got rid of him, and they they went with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has proved himself. I mean, he's he's been, I mean, just a, a, a star-studded quarterback. Even in Atlanta in their worst of times, they have the – I mean, he's done well. So I think that now he's going to do even better with a better offensive line. And I think a scheme and a system that's going to be built for him. I think that they had, like I said, they they have a top 10 uh, DVOA last season. So I think that they're going to have better defense. And they, they improved pass rushing. They got the linebacker positions upgraded. Um, and then also in the beginning of the year, that again, they've got a soft landing spot playing the Texans, playing the Jaguars. They come home and face Kansas City, uh, and then they've got the Eagles, the Chargers, which, you know, it's not a walk in the park, but I think it's a good stepping stone for Indianapolis. I've also got them coming in at 10-7. and seven. I think that the, the, the record will go to Indy. I think Indy will have more interdivisional wins than Tennessee will, which would give them that guaranteed playoff spot. I think that, that Matty Ice is going to be that scorned, ex-wife who goes out and like loses a bunch of weight and does Pilates and get and uh, fake tits and whatever else. And she's going to make that ex so jealous. I wish they didn't get rid of her. And that will be Matt Ryan to the Atlanta Falcons, I think. Yeah. And to your point, I'll, I'll just be super quick. When I look at this division, I think you talked about Matt Ryan. And one of the things I've always advocated for as, as being a Falcons fan I've always said that Matt Ryan is the one quarterback who I feel doesn't get enough credit. Even when when that Falcons team's terrible, he was always somehow top 10 in the major category, sometimes even top five. And we tend to forget that this man was an MVP in the league. So I think with the Colts, I'm very curious to see how their offense is going to look because you have Jonathan Taylor, who's arguably 
maybe in some people's eyes, the best running back, top three running back in football. I think a beneficiary of Matt Ryan being in Indianapolis is Michael Pittman. I really like Michael Pittman, guy who they got out of USC. I really like him. I'm not saying he could be Julio 2.0, but yeah, I think he can definitely do something now. And 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 to me, I'm very good to see how that Colts offense looks now because Matt Ryan, for all intents and purposes, didn't have a, hadn't had a real solid running game since very early on in his career, you know, early times at Atlanta. So he never. So now I think he gets the opportunity to have that solid back in. Taylor. Now moving down the board, I look at the Titans, and this may, uh, and, and I know a couple of Titan fans, but to me, I, I said this after the AFC Championship game. Oh, excuse me, at the AFC Divisional Round game, where Matt, well, Ryan Tannehill threw that interception in the game where they played the Bengals. I said Tannehill's on on borrowed time, and, and to be clear, there's a reason why, like. They drafted Malik Willis. You have to look at how teams draft quarterbacks because I love quarterbacks. To me, I Malik Willis to me was probably maybe the second, third best quarterback in the class. And you get him in the third round. Tennessee saw value. Now, if Tennessee's quarterback, quarterback situation was fine, they wouldn't have drafted because they did have other needs like most teams do. But to me, I kind of look at it this way. Tannehill has this year, maybe next year. And you're going to see the Malik Willis era within the next three years. That I'm very confident in. But when you still have Derrick Henry and you still have a great defense that Mike Vrabel has, it's interesting. Because look, think about this offensively. They lost A.J. Brown. And Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, I wrote a piece, he was visibly upset when that trade went down because he really liked AJ Brown, but it came down to money, but they did get trailing Burks from Arkansas. Who's, you know, a big guy could kind of maybe fill the role of an AJ Brown, maybe some of that capacity. Now we talk about Jacksonville. Expect Trevor Lawrence to take that leap. I think Trevor Lawrence, the way he handled a very tumultuous season in Jacksonville, which is putting it very, very kindly. That's that's yeah, that's it. That's not even the mild sauce packet of Taco Bell. That's just like ketchup. Yeah, it's and and the way he handled that season, that the whole team that, who came back for that matter. You know, Marvin Jones Jr. They went out and got Christian Kirk. You know, if they get a healthy Travis Etienne, you get a guy in Doug Peterson who's won a Super Bowl. He knows quarterbacks. If you if if you need proof, look at Carson Wentz under. Doug Peterson. Heck, look at look at him when he had Nick Foles. Doug Peterson knows quarterbacks. He's played the position. He understands the position. And I think Doug Peterson is one of the more underrated head coaches because of, of how great he works with quarterbacks at the most important position on the field. You look at Houston, it's pure and simple. I just think, simply put, they, are, they could be in the 2023 quarterback sweepstakes. Yeah. <laughs> Because, to me, this is all about what they expect out of Davis Mills. If Davis Mills can show signs that he can be the guy, I think then you could kind of look off your off the quarterback side and maybe look at a Will Anderson from Alabama. You can look at some of the more higher defensive-rated players coming in 20, 2023. But here's the thing. The 2023 class is all about quarterbacks. So if you're – if you're Nick Casario, you're Lovey Smith, the head coach. This is about seeing what you can get out of Davis Mills. And mind you, the receiving core, not there. See, that that's my thing is that when Mills is – it's almost like he's set up for failure. Like how do you draw blood from a stone, I guess, is the question. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, and it's a very fair – but if you kind of look at his numbers – there, if you really take a deep dive into his number, they're not as bad as people think. Like I, because I can go to him all day, but for the sake of time, I won't. But if you really deep dive into his numbers, they're not terrible. It no. looks, te- it, it looks terrible, because 
their record was terrible. Yeah, well, it's, and again, it's it's one of those. It, unfortunately, football is a team sport. You can be a great quarterback on an outright terrible team, yeah, and not do anything. Houston has a joke of a defense, uh, an offensive line that has more holes than than a, a block of Swiss cheese at a Publix deli. I mean. You could put Tom Brady back there. You could put Matt Ryan back there. You could put uh, uh, Michael Vick in his prime back there. I don't think Michael Vick would survive the abuse. Yeah, he he would think he's he was one of his pit bulls out there in the fighting ring. Man, that's two touchy subjects I've been on today. Whoa, I got got time for when I wasn't here, man. Yeah, what a (laughs) what a way to come back. But. Before we transition on to talk a little baseball and to wrap it up, I look at this division, and to me, when I look at the Colts, they could be one of those teams. How we talk, like with Cincinnati, as one of those sleeper teams, the Colts could be one of those sleeper teams because the only thing missing for Indianapolis to me was having a very, very good quarterback yeah absolutely that that, and, that was the piece of the puzzle that they didn't have and, and think about this they only got matt ryan for a third round pick yeah think it, it wasn't an expensive trade and and mind you they you know and a lot of the a lot of that dead money is on atlanta it's not yeah. on indianapolis and so my children's children truly were trying to pay out that debt in atlanta this- so to me, they got great value for a proven leader, a guy who's been to a Super Bowl. He knows how to get there and almost won it, but we're not going to get into that story. But the point is, the Colts could be one of those sleeper teams. And and, and I think I look at Tennessee, I kind of believe that there could be an opportunity and a chance that, like I say, Ryan Tannehill, beyond next year, I can't say anything. Like, given his contract, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be the starter this year, obviously. Yeah. But when we're talking like 2023, we don't know. I I truly think that when it boils down to it, Matt Ryan has more to gain and more to lose than Tannehill does. Because Because of that Super Bowl loss, Matt Ryan showed he could take a team there. Right. See, and, and, and unfortunately, that, yeah. the coaching uh, of of the Falcons did like a one eighty and took their foot off the gas pedal. Yeah, and, and, and that, allowed the the single largest comeback in, in in I think modern sports history. Yeah, yeah. I don't need the reminder, but uh, Sorry, yeah, 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 I'm not sure. I already got the reminder, champ. We're, but, we're, we're still friends. We're still. Friends. <laughs> but you know, but but with that, I think that Matt Ryan, I think that thought sits in the back of his head. Yeah, yeah. Every game, yeah. And probably every time he was sacked, looking at the lights of the Georgia Dome, like Jesus Christ, like I could win a Super, like I could do it. Does Indy have it? You know, I we don't know. I think that if we would have sat this very day last year and both looked at each other and said the Cincinnati Bengals are going to play in the Super Bowl, I think we both would have told each other to go get a drug test. Right. Yeah. We, we, so, we yeah. And, and, and to me, that to me, I look at the Colts and I say, why not? Because they're in a division where I personally feel, and look at them, Chris Ballard has built a very good offensive line. Probably one of the best offensive lines in football. He's got part, arguably a top three running back. Oh, absolutely. And Jonathan Taylor. And to me, coaching matters. Frank Reich. I, I think this could be something because I don't know, but but and, you know and as for and to, to put a bow on it, I agree that I think the Colts win the division. I I kind of put the Colts. I give them two more wins. So you, so you got them going twelve and five. I kind of see them at twelve and five because mm-hmm. of the fact that I think that as the season progresses, the more Matt Ryan plays, he's going to get better. He's still learning a new offense. So that takes time. I think, I think it's going to get, but I think once he figures it out, he's a smart enough guy. Watch the Colts do something just in the way that we didn't expect Cincinnati. No one's talking about the Colts, but I'm talking about it because like I said, I believe in Matt Ryan. So that, that that's my perspective on, on the situation. And now 
for the time that we have left, let's let's talk about let's talk about baseball, and then also we could talk about your corner, Chris, as I named your segment, Chris's corner. And buddy, yeah, you know, you know so baseball has been fun this season. Well, at least for me being a Yankees fan. Yeah. Um, the rest of you. Yeah, well, yeah. For me, yeah, me has been real great. Real yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try not to touch that uh, that nerve. Um, you know, so right now, I mean, the standings right now, uh, you've got the Yankees uh, leading the East, the AL East, the Twins leading the AL West, or excuse me, the AL Central, and then the Astros leading uh, the AL AL West, and then flipping over to the National League. You've got the Mets one in the East, the Cards in the Central, and then the Dodgers right now in the West. So the Dodgers right now have the best record in baseball at 75 and 33. And then in a very strong second place is the New York Yankees at 70 and 39, tied with the New York Mets uh, <laughs> at 70 and 39, which is something that I would have not thought of in any stretch. But, you know, I was I was watching some of these games at the Mets. The Mets were actually, you know, they were playing Sunday night baseball last weekend, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they're there. And, and, they're, and they're reminding people that they are there. And I think that there is a there is a resurgence. You know, the, the, the city of New York, I think, has established itself that it damn well ain't going to be a basketball town between the Knicks mm-hmm. and the Nets. Football. You know what? The Giants have won some titles. Uh, the Jets did it once, so at least they're not virgins. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like like the, the the city of New York is a baseball town. At the end of the day, I, mm-hmm. I the Yankees with twenty seven World Series, the Mets I think with like one, maybe two. You know. I don't keep count, but hey, you know, who am I? Um, but, you know, coming down into the season, you know, we're past the All-Star break. This is where things get interesting. So we're sitting early August. So we've got the rest of this month. And then September, I think, is when the dogfighting happens. That's when it gets 300 Spartan combat or just spears. And and it, it's going to get ugly on the end. And, and spray painted abs on Gerard Butler. It's going to get that ugly, I think. This season, above all, just because there are some teams that are really playing for something. The Yanks haven't won a World Series since 2009. People are now starting to question Aaron Boone. Is he the coach? Can he do it? Can he get the Yankees the, the 28th championship? Then on the other side of the city, so you take four trains to jump over from the Bronx to Queens, and I've done this trip, and it's fun. And if even if you're not a Yankees or Mets fan, it's one of those things. It's like going to Fenway. It's like going to Wrigley Field. You, you just you got to go and do it. You take four trains from the Bronx. You get down to Astoria, Queens, where City Field is, where the New York Mets are playing right now. And they're playing on fire, too. You know, um, uh, of course, the Marlins and the Nats have just fallen off. The Phillies are gone. The Braves are still hanging in there. They're they're you know they're at that Captain America where like I could do this all day as they're just getting the shit kicked out of them every every <laughs> go around. But the Mets are just the, the Mets are playing. You know the Cards have came out on some good games. I mean yeah you know what they did sweep the Yankees and they did it in an elegant fashion. But you know I, I don't know. I, I I truly think the AL and again this is going to sound biased because I'm a Yankees fan. I think with the moves that New York has made, the way they're playing this season, one of the biggest problems in New York last season is they scored a bunch of runs, but so did the other team. And the unfortunate part of of games tallied by by numbers is that whoever ends up with a higher number at the end of the day wins. Golf is that only exception. Um, You know, so when the other team can put more points on the board than what – what you do well that sucks to be you so brian cashman and and the brainiacs it and and the bronx understood this and were like i need to stop the other team from scoring so they they made some pitching changes they got more people in the bullpen they got some closers and the yankees are now doing that they're stopping people from scoring 
and putting a, just a shit ton of runs on the board. You got uh, you, you've got Judge out there just pushing balls in the in the in the next century. You've got Stanton doing it. You've got uh, just guy after guy after guy going out there. And you you look at where they stand, and there's a reason why they're at the top of of the of the ranking structure here. Um, I I truly think, and again, this sounds biased. I think that the Yankees go into the World Series. I, if if you start looking at where they stand and where other teams are standing in the AL, the Twins always do their way to get in, and then they're just a first round implosion. The Twins are the Alex Rodriguez of baseball. They'll give you a solid 162 games, and you put them in the playoffs, and they choke harder than a marriage with J-Lo. And see, that's funny because A-Rod, you know, gave an infinity or an engagement stone to, uh, to J-Lo. I think she has all six. She can. I think she could snap us all away now. I think this last one with, with Ben Affleck, uh, she, can, she can create her, uh, her infinity engagement gauntlet. I, I never thought of it that way, but you know, for for the sake of, uh, let, let's hope she doesn't. I, I mean, like I said, what I will either that or she snaps her clothes off. We got to see that big juicy ass of hers. But hey, that's another subject for another day. Yeah. Uh so moving forward, so I think the AL, I think that the Yankees are definitely going to hold it down. I think it boils down the AL pennant championship is going to be. Uh, Yankees and Astros, and I think the Yankees have to go out and go prove something now. Uh, I, I definitely see Jose Altuve getting hit once or twice by, by a random fly ball uh, out of a pitcher's hand, but hey, that's what you get for being a cheater. Uh, on the National League side, I think it boils down to the Dodgers and the Mets. I think those are the two main teams that they're, they're going to go head-to-head. That's going to be a dogfight. You've got Pete Alonso out there just just crushing balls putting them in the orbit and then on the other side of, of of the game you've got crenshaw out there just throwing some just i mean he is just being a rembrandt out there he's making some great pitching he's getting his wins and he's he's just out there doing god's work um so i think that th- this is my favorite time of, of 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 the year everyone's like Oh, it's gonna be fall, and I get to put pumpkins out and pumpkin spice lattes and leggings and all this other stupid stuff. And then, like the rest of us who have common sense, are over here like, "Yo, football's about to start. Football has officially started. You've got baseball going to the playoff mode. Like, what a just what a great time of the year." And then you have college football. It's like, dude, like this cannot get any better in life right now. So I think that's that's where we're looking at, and and I'm very excited for that. Um, on a side note, while we're talking baseball real quick, just some fun facts. So, um, as you know, the San Diego Padres have done, you know, some big money moves and bringing in Soto as they brought in some other just absolute assets to their organization. Uh, well, they're still not winning a pennant. Uh, they're still not winning their division. They're actually, uh, let's see here, they are, uh, that's a lot, uh, 14 games out. <laughs> from <laughs> from their pennant. And so I don't know if you got to see any of it. So LA and San Diego played uh this weekend. Do you care to know the uh scoring deficit between uh between the two teams? Um I I I I've been busy, but I did see that it was I I know it was a very significant differential in, in from runs. But I'll, I'll, I'll let you tell me too before we put a bow on the show. Tell me. Yeah, it was it was actually pretty pretty terrible. So L.A. Dodgers outscored and swept the San Diego Padres twenty to four in that three game series. Twenty runs to four runs. After San Diego has more money tied up in three players, and I probably like the entire WNBA does in, in their entire useless league. Sorry, I know you know we should care, but. Well, it's boring to watch them. I'm not going to lie, so I'll pick on them. Um, so yeah, so San, uh, San Diego, they've got to figure that out. If you're going to spend money, you got to win some games. You can't spend, you know, six hundred, seven hundred million dollars collectively to be 14 games out of your division. I don't care what division you play in, whether it's the AL East or the NL West, you can't be doing that type of shenanigans. Shame on you, San Diego. Uh, some other quick tidbits. I don't know if you saw. We're going to stay in the California market. So I don't know if you saw this video circling around of 
uh, Joey Bart, the catcher from the San Francisco Giants. If you get a chance, it's been all over Sports Center. So Joey Bart is in the uh, in the standby box, you know, just kind of stretching, warm, and he's next up. He's on deck, and I forget the batter who was in the box hits this crazy foul ball off the off the top of his bat, zips it right towards Joey Bart. Joey Bart uses this like Jedi like catch to just catches the ball barehanded and just kind of like huh, and just goes back to just practicing his swing like <laughs> I'm telling you right now I know damn well that man his hand had to hurt I've caught foul balls that are hit a yeah. long way while well, in seats that I that you know are not expensive because I'm sitting so far damn away from the game yeah. and I've caught a foul ball and be like I don't know that hurts a little bit but just in case I'm on TV I gotta like look cool and I can't show the certs yeah. So, like, I know that Joey Bart had to do that, but, dude, hats off to you for catching that ball because if you didn't, you, you would have been, like, a Limp Biscuit song called Rearrange because that ball is beelining for your grave. So, hats off to that. And then also, too, I'm not even going to lie, we're going to circle back to the Mets going back eastbound. If you ever get a chance to just listen to this man walking, when they when they bring Edwin Diaz in, the, cl- the closer for the Mets, this dude just has the most fest- festive and just – I don't know. His walk-in, it's just, it, it's, just it, it's the dopest in the game right now. I don't know why I think that's even meaningful to talk about, but I thought it was cool. So, like I said, baseball, we are, we are in, we are in the, the, we're on the back nine, as they would say in golf. And I think that we're going to be in for some great games. And I think it's going to be a dogfight going in for the, the, the hunt for, for the championship in October. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just say my couple of words that we'll put a bow on it. You know, to, to your point about baseball, you know, one of the things I love about sports this time of the year, you get football, you get the NFL, and then you get baseball to me at its peak. Post, you know, you're getting that push, that push toward October, they like to call it. You're getting that playoff. And I think what makes baseball much more significant now is the expansion of the playoff. And I've always said that more meaningful games, that, that was one of the complaints toward like September, you know, late August, early September, there was no meaningful games. Now, I would say half the league are playing in meaningful games, which is more than you could say five years ago. Oh, absolutely. And even in the NFL, when you expand the playoffs, you're not trying to say everybody comes in. You're just trying to create a more meaningful games down the stretch because, let's face it, Jacksonville playing Houston is not going to be as exciting. But, however, just look at last year with the Chargers and the Raiders – where they both could have tied and it made it, but it was exciting because it was exciting because, you know, because the games were more meaningful and, and, and to put a bow on it, what I love about, you said to the walk-up music to me, the, the best walk-up music to me ever. And it gets me every, maybe cause I like the song too. Anytime I hear enter Sandman, anytime I hear it, to me, that's the standard. Yeah, that's the standard. And, and like I said, I Edwin Diaz, I good stuff. Yeah, but, but he ends that Mariano Rivera rant with Metallica. He probably doesn't understand one word of that song. Right, and, 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 the homeboy's walking out there just like I'm about to shitwreck this man's dream of winning a game today. Right, and then go and he'll throw like seven pitches and get three outs, and then we all right. laugh about it. And then <laughs> none of us that play professional sports are like, "Thank you, Korean Jesus, for me." to not having to look at that man and see a 97-mile-an-hour cutter come at my face and yeah. break away the last possible second. Yeah. I thank you for not having to put me through that torture. So those are my two cents. And and that's the show. And if you listen to this episode and every episode of the Sports of the World podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast, check out the Sports of the World trivia question. Check out this week's trivia question where I talked about Tom Brady. Was this week's trivia question. And if I haven't posted it, I believe I haven't posted it to Facebook, and I will post it to Facebook because there's another trivia question coming out on Wednesday, another one as well. So all that out of the way, check it on social media, Sport the World, Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz as well. I still don't have a Twitter. Uh, I still refuse. Actually, so I take that back. I do have a Twitter, but all I do is I write mean tweets to Joe Biden like every day. I literally follow nobody. Nobody follows me. But all I do is pick on Joe Biden, and I really enjoy it. Maybe one day I will let it out. 
And then you guys are going to see all the weird shit that I say to Joe. I don't say anything like, you know, like the FBI is going to look at me more than they already do. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it's fun. But, yeah, so you got our social media handles. Also, next week, so on the, on the quick dash of Chris's corner, uh, next week we're going to bring back that oh-so-juicy fantasy football. I know you little fiends have been uh, wanting some info. I know we've talked about it. I've had a few people reach out to me uh, privately and say, hey, I believe it or not, I actually used your stuff and it worked once or twice. So that made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Um, so pretty much it's the same advice as I gave last year. Um, listen to the show if you're the weeks that you're not playing me and the weeks that you are playing me, uh, fuck you and don't listen to the show because I'm trying to win here. I had a bad season last year and I'm here trying to to, to resurrect my, uh, my team. Uh, so excited for it. Uh, shout out to Zach Wilson, Bang & Mills. Good for him. And uh, that's all I got. Always in on a high note, folks. Yeah, buddy. And I'll, until you hear us again, I'm Ladarius. I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the sports and the world podcast. See ya.